Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Colter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan, you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Well, Montana State has, just this past Saturday, finished their fall season, slate, practice. Montana Grizzlies are just getting started with theirs. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, our number two. Great to be with you here on the uh, radio and on the television or perhaps on the World Wide Web. If you'd like to listen live, you go to the stream. It is on our website, 1029ESPN.com. You check it out all the time. The stream is available. Thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to call us, text us, you can do it on the same phone number. 361-3688-406-361-3688. All guests join us via the Brankish Brothers RV phone line. If you missed anything in the first hour of the show, give it a listen on the podcast. Podcast available whenever you want it, whatever you're up to. You can check out the podcast anytime on all of your favorite podcasting platforms thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Colter, how are we doing over there? Pretty good. Okay. You type in furiously. <laughs> I are, just Are you trying to work two things at once? No, uh, just uh you know, just doing some stuff. Okay. That's all good. Okay. Is it though? We'll find out. I mean you can just look at my Twitter here in a minute. I'm just tweeting something, just got some tips on some Portal movement, nothing big. I mean, University of Montana track and field program, they're under transition after having the same coach for 12 years, and they've got some kids into the portal. That's not surprising because yep. who knows when the next track season is even going to be. And Montana has an interim head coach, but they can't hire a full-time head coach until the hiring freeze is lifted, and there's just a lot of uncertainty. I think that uh, there's a complete tangent, but last week on the show, and I have a story coming up at and this will actually parlay really nicely into this Grizz football segment. To me, it's terrible not having football. It's a huge revenue uh, hindrance for both University of Montana and Montana State. 
it's a huge impact negatively on the local economy and the statewide economy. I mean, like Jeff Choate said on our show last week, he said, I walked into Spectator's which is the bar on campus at right. Montana State. And, right. and was the manager had my, you know, they get lunch there on Fridays or whatever. The, it's part of a trade. So he's just picking up food for his coaching staff. And, and the gal grabbed me and said, Jeff, coach, can you please figure out a way to stream this game so that like somebody will come to our bar and like have a beer <laughs> and watch the Bobcats. Yeah. Cause like Joe said, and he's so right, you know, on a normal Saturday, you walk in there at three o'clock in the afternoon, you're not even walking in there. You can't even get Standing. in the door. Yeah. And so places like that though, that's the only time that they're that busy. It's they have to have it. And yeah. so they don't have it. So it's, it's a real bummer. That said, this is all to say this, the fact that this is a zero year. Yeah. What happens between today October 14th, 2020, and September 1, 2021, is free. Mm -hmm. It's free money. Mm -hmm. I I actually want to ask Eric Tabor, Sports Information Director at Montana, or Bill Amberty, Sports Information Director at Montana State, how are they going to deal with the statistics? Smart Torres is quickly rising through the ranks of University of Montana all-time league receivers. Mm -hmm. This is a hypothetical, but what if Samari Torre played eight games in the fall and then 13 or 14 games in the, or eight games in the spring and then 13 or 14 games in the fall, gets an extra 22 starts and goes out and has like an extra 150 catches. I mean, he's, his records are going to be so far out there. I mean, he could actually even threaten Cooper Cup stuff, only not in terms of per game. Sure. And, and Cooper Cup is so ridiculous that he still probably would never even threaten it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, y- you could have a hundred more catches than anybody in school history because you have so many extra games. But regardless, it's free money. It's fr- what what's, <laughs> Like that last two minutes was free radio. Uh, well, yeah, it's great. The, <laughs> these two programs, though, the thing that they share the most, what's the only phrase that Jeff Cho and Bobby Houck both say consistently and ad nauseum? Bleep the Grizz, bleep the cat. No, you can't get better at football unless you play football. That is true. They also say that. My I, I thought Coach Choate was like making a joke about Coach Houck when he first started saying it because I've been hearing Bobby Houck say that for 15 years. Then I realized, yeah, there's nothing to do with each other. They're from the same school of thought when it comes to that. Yeah. People ask about the differences and the similarities of the two programs. I do think there's more differences than people imply. I think a lot of times you see two really intense, driven head coaches that like to play physical football, so you think that the programs themselves are the same. They're very, very different in terms of their makeup, what they're about. The number one thing that they do share as a similarity, though, is exactly that quote, the developmental nature of their teams. Choate tried to run a plug-and-play program initially. He got really hot on the transfer wire and landed a bunch of dudes that you could plug-and-play, but I think he's learned that the bread and butter of Montana State is always going to be the Tucker Yates's and the Mac Bignells. It's the same thing at the University of Montana. What I'm saying here is it's terrible that we're not playing football right now, but I think the two programs in the country that have a chance to benefit more than anybody are these two programs. Because now, in the spring... Sebastian Valdez, for example, is a a true freshman defensive end at Montana State. He flashed big time to me during the scrimmage. I thought he looked really good. They could start him the entire spring and then just and decide then if they want to just play him four games in the fall or play him eight games in the fall or have him be a starter in the fall. It's free money. It's the same thing with guys like at Montana, Levi Janicaro. He gets going to have a whole extra spring to learn how to play linebacker after switching over from fullback. Guy like yeah. Braxton Hill who's kind of been floating around. What position is he going to play? Looks good. Great athlete. How do you get him on the field? Cole Grossman, a guy that was running with the ones during spring football coming out of his gray shirt year and then ended up redshirting last year. He was playing defense last spring. Now he's playing tight end. Where does he fit in? There's all sorts of guys like that. Jacob McGoring, what sort of step can he take? Is he going to go from specialty edge rusher guy to being a true dominant guy? He could have 10 full games under his belt before you even have to make that decision. That's the part that I think is so intriguing for these teams. And I know that the two head coaches are very, very frustrated with the lack of direction that's been provided for them. You could hear both of them. I asked them the same set of questions similarly for the story I have coming up on Skyline. And there's the thing that made them both light up the most because they are both like, yeah, man, I can't wait to develop my dudes. Yeah. And that's what Coach Houck does the best. So, um, I mean, what are, your, what are your thoughts on it? It seems to me that particularly because of the way that the Montana schools, they recruit so many Montana guys that need the development anyways, it seems like this is actually going to be an inherent advantage for these two programs. Well, I think it will be. I think it's an advantage for every program if they use it properly. But you're, right. to your point, it may be more of an advantage for the Montana schools than the others. But here's what I want to do. 
Let's hear from Coach Houck. Several sound bites for you from his uh, press conference, Zoom press conference yesterday, and then we can get into a lot of that stuff that yes. you're talking about. So it's our ESPN roundtable. It is brought to us by Paradise Falls. Go down and check Paradise Falls. Morning, noon, and night. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They got it going on. Two different happy hours. So it's a great place to go and uh, watch any sport you want, including high school sports they got on over there. This is just the very opening sort of question uh, of the press conference, just sort of a, a general one followed up by a, a, a couple of uh, members of the press. Here we go. First couple of practices uh, in the books now. Um, how does it feel to be back on the, on the field with your team? Well, it's great to be back out there. Um, I think the guys are excited to, to uh, get back out on the field, work a little football. It's been a long time since we've been out there. So, um, yeah, it's been good. Hey, Coach. Uh, does it feel more like a, the start of like a spring camp, or does it does it feel like kind of a fall camp? Totally like spring ball. I mean, that's what it is. That's the format. It's what it is. What What would you say is kind of the main goal that you want to get done in this fall slash spring ball? Um, well, like any spring practice, you need to get out there and play. You have to develop your young guys. Everybody's got improvements to make. Uh, you know, we're a little late getting started here, but we'll get them in. And, uh, you know, we, we need to get better. If we're going we're gonna to win to the degree we want to, we have to get better. When it comes to working through and into maybe some colder months, how, how far down the line in terms of into uh, November are you going to be able to go or wanting to go? Uh, you mean just due to the weather, right? Just, well, either weather or just restrictions in terms of how long oh. you're able to practice, like total hours and days and that kind of thing. Yeah, we, we've got – it's like it, – so like I was saying to Sean, it, it's exactly like spring ball. So we have 15 days we can utilize. Three of them are non-padded. I mean, there's, there's parameters that are all set up. It's pretty much what we want to do anyway. Uh, it's identical to what a normal spring practice is. So that's essentially what it is. Um as far as inclement weather, you know, we're always – I mean, October's a pretty good month, and we'll be pretty much wrapped up towards the end of October. So there you go, uh, Coach Houck, you know, again, iterating, this is – it is just spring ball in the fall. It's what it is. And they got 15 runs, and they'll they'll have those in presumably by the end of this month, and then that will be that until – whenever the next time that they're able to go is. And we'll be interested to see what happens in between, uh, uh, you know, the end of now and the start of whatever turns out to be next and what is going to be allowed, not allowed, and even what is possible uh, in that respect. Coulter, as you said, you had a a bevy of questions for Coach Houck. I thought it was good to sort of excise this and put them all in there together and just run through because it went from point to point. It makes sense. So here you go. Here's Coulter's questions uh, with head coach of the University of Montana football team, Bobby Houck. I know you guys really prioritize player development, and I know it stinks right now that you're not playing, but you have kind of this extended time now, both fall and then whatever happens in the spring to really develop guys where it doesn't count towards their eligibility. So how do you emphasize that? How do you maximize that? Well, you have to be with them, first of all. So that's yeah. been the biggest problem, you know, from last March till now is just being able to be with your guys and bring them along. I mean, even doing this with you guys is odd, not doing it in person. If you can imagine trying to teach football in this same forum that we're talking on, I don't know how much we get accomplished. So we need to be able to be with them. Uh, We need to be in a classroom setting to teach them. And then we need to be on the field and in the weight room with them. So uh, as much as we can do that, I think development will be enhanced. And as little as we can do that, it'll be inhibited. Is, Is being the best you can be by next fall the paramount goal? Well, (laughs) that depends on – if we have a spring season and we're going to do our, if we have a spring season, we're going to do our best to be our best. Then I don't know that that's attainable in the current. I mean, things have to change for that to happen. Um, we're starting to run out of time to maximize that, but it's still attainable. So we'll see. I mean, if we play a spring season, we're, we're going to try to win. 
best case scenario, this being a zero year for some of your veteran players, it seems to me like you have an opportunity for guys to get a lot of good time in the spring if that happens, but then also get a lot of good time in the fall too. Have you thought about just how good some of your fifth year guys could be by the time next fall rolls around? Well, I think uh, the more you get to play, the better you're going to be and the more you understand the game. Um, and you can use the NFL as a, as a, an exhibit. You know, they talk about how much rookies learn. Well, it's no different with college guys, how much they learn through their careers. Um, the interesting piece will be at all these universities, how many guys come back for that last fall. That portion of it, player retention, do you think that's an indication of the culture in your locker room? I know some guys, they just want to move on with their lives, but do you feel like player retention is essential when it comes to the development of the players on your team? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it depends on what they – these guys have lives too. I mean, you look at North Dakota State, I think they probably have pretty good culture in their locker room would be my guess. They're winning a lot. Um, but guys are – I mean – Guys have degrees. They have jobs lined up. They have a chance. So a couple guys may have a chance to go to the NFL. I'm not talking about us. I'm just talking generally speaking. I mean, these guys have lives and plans outside of football. So I think it'll be interesting to see the retention or lack of it at every university going into next fall. And then, you know, if you have my perspective on it, if you had to give me a chance to go back for another year of college, I'd take it right now. <laughs> Hell yeah, me too. Last question for me, just in your brief impression of what you've seen of the guys, how do they appear to be doing physically? Are, are they up to par or are you behind it all physically? How would you evaluate just your team right now? Well, we're not, we're not in optimum condition and we're not an uh, optimum playing uh, shape in terms of execution and all that. I mean, we look like a team that hasn't been on the field since March. That's what we look like. So there you go. Uh, Bobby Houck talking with uh, Coulter yesterday on the Zoom call, and we have a little bit more sound from Coach Houck, which we'll get to in a minute, but I wanted to address a couple of things that I heard there and, and, and get your thoughts as well. First of all, when you asked him, is everything that you're doing just geared towards getting ready to play in the fall of 2021? Uh, and he, he essentially said um, – we are geared towards playing in whenever it is that we can play. He said, you know, uh, at another place, there's there's a bunch of things that have to change between now and playing in the spring if that's even going to be possible. And as, if it doesn't change, if things stay as they are right now, we won't be playing in the spring effectively. But I thought it was interesting that he said, if we can play in the spring, we're going to go play in the spring and we're going to do everything we can to win in the spring. Um, you know, that doesn't surprise me on one hand, and maybe it changes between now and then. Not to say that you would ever not go out and try and win a football game if you're going to play in a football game. Hello, you play to win the game. Okay, I get that. But also, to your point, it's zero year for everybody. Is you know, it's it's sort of jammed in there. It's not it's it's the worst timing for anybody in the Montana schools, right? With the, with the it's not spring ball, it's Dagnab winter ball, is what it is. And so if that is if that is the reality of it, do you use it strictly as a developmental period, as the greatest developmental period you could ever have as a zero year for your entire football team, take whatever lumps you're going to take actually in the games that you do play and go out there and come September 1 of 2021, lock and load. Uh, but that's not, that's not the impression I got from what he had to say. We're going to go out there and we're going to roll our dudes out there and we're going to play football. And... Uh, you know, if that happens, I think that that should give – it makes the spring season a lot more intriguing, I think, to a lot of people. You know, they don't feel like they're watching glorified practices, it, you know, that way. They look like they're they're playing and they're competing for something, and as of right now, they are. I mean, the FCS playoff is in place as of now. So uh, – but I found that, I found that response uh, intriguing, and I'm glad you asked that question. I'm just trying to think of how this is actually going to work financially, but I don't think, I don't think we need to go down don't that, worry about that it. rabbit hole right now. A couple other points worth addressing as we get into a little bit of analysis of this uh, this Grizz team, the roster. 
I wrote a story on Skyline Sports with the update number by number of all the changes that have occurred in terms of guys that are no longer on the roster that maybe didn't exhaust their eligibility. Um, most of these have already been reported on, but the guys that are that could have still been Grizz that are no longer Grizz right now. Jesse Owens, he transferred to Montana State to play hoops. Darion Nash, he transferred to Idaho. He's a graduate transfer. Cornerback was a starter a year ago. Safety Marcus He. Uh, he ended up at Central Washington. Quarterback Josh Egbo, he graduated. He blew his knee last year during camp, and he was supposed to be a fourth-year junior, and so he ended up just graduating. Uh, running back Adam Eastwood, no longer with the program. Safety Mikel Tolliver, who they brought in as a transfer from Hawaii, no longer with the program. Kicker Brandon Purdy, who was an all-big sky guy a couple years back, then hurt his knee, and then came back and was good. Uh, he graduated, got a job, so he he's moving on. Linebacker Sayona Vallea. Uh, linebacker in slash edge guy Jed Nagler. That one I can't confirm, but I think that that's probably has to do with injuries. He blew his knee really bad a couple years ago. It sucks for him because I thought he was a really talented player. Kid from Whitefish who probably could have been a track athlete at the University of Montana. He was multiple event state champion at the Class A level and came to Montana and was a receiver initially, moved to defense, but uh, his career is over. Defensive tackle Cole Rosling, he transferred to Montana Tech. Defensive lineman Garrison Petzl, who was from Billings Senior, uh, great player at the AA level on those senior teams that won championships. He had a knee injury in high school, and I just think he never recovered from that. Offensive lineman Dimitri Saligor, who was uh, your guy because yep. he's from, where is he from? Macedonia or something? Uh, Moldova. Moldova. And you were the only person in the whole press conference that knew where Moldova was. <laughs> uh, but regardless of his origin point, he was a talented uh, offensive lineman, and so that's a loss. Uh, center. Where, Con- where did he end? He hasn't ended up anywhere. Okay. He didn't enter the transfer portal or anything. I think he just walked away from the game. Yeah. Uh, center Connor Quick, who's a Helena Capital guy, and wideout Nick Germer. A couple other roster notes. The most interesting roster note to me, still no number 37. Mm-hmm. So Jesse Sims has not passed the number along. Uh, to me, there's a couple leading candidates. Uh, Jace Lewis is probably the leader in the clubhouse to be yeah. number 37. But I don't know. It's interesting because usually that's something that happens in the summer and the yeah. offseason leading up to the year. Well, he's got about 10 months to figure it out. No doubt. Uh, a couple other roster notes. Like I mentioned, Cole Grossman, really talented kid out of Vancouver, Washington. Kato Montana's wide receiver, he gray-shirted in his first spring, which would have been last spring. He played that outside linebacker hybrid spot and was good. But then he's moved back to tight end, and I think he could be an impact player at tight end. He's a really, really athletic guy. He could give them uh, – because they already have their – they got their couple of their big tight ends. I think that uh, – uh, Braden Deming is a Bryson Deming, excuse me, is a, a really good inline tight end. Matt Rensvold, if he can get back from an injury, is a really athletic guy who can make plays over the middle of the field. Um, and they had a couple other young guys that showed flashes a year ago, but I think that uh, Grossman gives them a, a different sort of guy there, a different sort of athlete. We had mentioned that Michael McGinnis was potentially leaving the program to take a, an internship. He's a really high academic kid. I think he actually is even on a full academic scholarship at Montana. He's mm-hmm. a kid from Sydney who came in as sort of a a project and has become a good player. He's a good player on special teams, and he's definitely going to be on the two deep at safety this year. He's still at the program, so I guess that maybe it fell through because of the, the pandemic or whatever, but he's still on the team, and uh, I think he should figure in pretty prominently uh, – on on this year's squad, we mentioned Levi Janicaro. He's moved to linebacker. I think that. I mean, what do you think of that move? That's a, that's a good move, right? It's a good move. Uh, I think that that. Well, I shouldn't say that. It feels like a good move. Yes. Uh, to me, I, I, I thought Janicaro's. Uh, he, Levi Janicaro's a great runner of the football in high school. He's certainly a, a, a great runner of the football just in general. But also, he's you know when you're the best athlete on a football team, and this is what you're doing. Like you're gonna, it doesn't mean that that's the best place for you. Uh, and so you know the it, within the system, within what they're doing, uh, the lineup of linebackers and just his stature. I mean, he looks like he's built for that spot. You know, so I think that makes sense to me. Um, I want to play one more piece of sound here okay. from uh, from from Coach Hauk, uh, and then I want to ask you about. Um, Bobby Houck right now dispositionally okay so here you go uh make of this what you will the one-time transfer exception has kind of reached the division one council as of tomorrow can you just talk about the you know your feelings about about the one-time transfer exception yeah I'd say greetings from the farm system Are, are there any positives in it uh, no. Okay. 
What's the biggest negative then? We're a farm system. Okay. Thank you, Coach. I think he likes it, right? The one-time transfer? Is that what you get out of that? Here's what here's what I want to – now, I will say this. Obviously, he hates it. And why – why dress it up any other way than what it is? You know what I mean? Here's my question. And it doesn't really have to do with that particularly at all. Uh, I found that amusing and like I don't disagree, right? I mean, that's that's to some extent it feels like how, how retaining guys is already per, an, an uphill battle and it's be, going to become more so now. That said, um, when we've heard from talked to Bobby Houck over the past six months it has not been great like when I when I say it hasn't been great I'm not talking to him in general there's no football right of course nobody's happy about this this situation right nobody's this is this is an unprecedented and just all around negative bad thing that has befallen humanity in general and certainly found its expression in in sports and in this case in big sky conference football okay so nobody's happy about it nor should anybody i guess i think pretend to be but a lot of coaches tend to try and find silver linings, try and find whether it's reasons for optimism, things that they're going to do to, you know, use whatever it is that they have, control what you can control and build as you're able to build and do the thing and 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 just keep going. Bobby Houck has unequivocally just been salty, right, about everything, not happy about any of it and not pretending that anything's good and it's all bad and we look like a bad football team. We haven't been able to play. We can't teach when we're not together. We can't lift when we're not with them. We can't play when we're not playing. We can't, you know, coach when we're not allowed to be. And 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 just that's just it. That's what it's been. And I take that as uh, a pretty genuine response, right? I mean, I, I don't think that this is I don't think this is a ploy or something like that. Yet, it's interesting to me because I still think that there's a level at which, I mean, you have to, right, as a coach, try and figure out, well, how the heck are we going to get better? What are we going to do? Are we just going to take a six-month vacation and call it good? I don't believe that's what's, you know, happening. And so when you take that tact the way that Coach Houck has, what do you think of of the way that that plays within your team, within what, what it is that you're doing? Do you think it's just... Again, not necessarily a front, but when you know when he's actually with the team, it's a you know it's a more positive you know what what I, I don't know I don't know what do you think about that in general? Well, I think it it comes back to the dichotomy and differences between the two programs in the state of Montana. Jeff Choate has talked consistently and constantly about uh, he wants his guys to find true holistic value in their experience at Montana State. That's the way that you retain players within the scope of that program. Guys know that they're going to be safe, taken care of, have somebody to watch out for them. They have academic help. They have resources. They have a place to live, things to eat, the basics, safety, shelter, all those things. So then you have baseline value. So even if it's not going your way, you find value in staying and then by the time you stay long enough, you're probably going to get an opportunity. At Montana, Bobby Houck wants guys that love football because he loves football, and that's what he recruits. He wants guys that love football. And I think that, by and large, Coach Houck would probably not be in, be that into guys on the team right now that are like, oh, it is what it is. You know, is. I'm just going to get some extra fishing in and go hunting and stuff this fall. Surely, guys are going to do that, no question. He's not going to limit them doing that. Well, but, everybody's but if, if you're If you're uh, having a glass half full uh, mentality about this. I don't think that that's fitting into the culture of the locker room. I think that by and large, the Grizzlies are reflecting what Coach Houck is stating. I think that they all are very frustrated and really want to play as soon as possible again because I think that that's what he he has already redefined as the culture of this team is guys mm-hmm. that just love playing football. It's two tell nuances, one two nine ESPN radio. This has been our ESPN roundtable. I appreciate you being with us. The roundtable brought to us by Paradise Falls, Coral Tour Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street, near the corner, the intersection, rather, of Brooks and Reserve. Great spot on the south end of town. Inside, outside, still some good days out there. Not necessarily, you know, in the next couple, but they're coming. 
hang out on the patio, get some fresh air, maybe sit inside along the glass gazebo, take a look at the uh, the view. Or if you're interested in viewing sports, well, of course, they got every game on, baseball, high school sports as well, breakfast, lunch, dinner, great late happy hour as well, 18 rotating beer tap handles, whatever you need, whatever you want. Paradise Falls got it for you. Sat on the porch last Friday with a, having lunch with a friend. It was great. That's awesome. Uh, I, I love that whole deck that they got there. Great deck. Paradise Falls is definitely one of the most uh, prevalent numbers of options. You can go place your bets at the Montana sports betting machines mm-hmm. there. You can bet on everything from baseball to football to college football, whatever you might want to place bets on. They got the whole new, when you go into Paradise Falls, the whole left side, they redid the entire thing. So it looks beautiful. Redid the whole bar section. So go check it out. They got early and late happy hour pretty much every day of the week. 18 draft beers, 30 big screen TVs, specials for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street in Missoula. Missoula's coolest hot spot. The NFL, the best and worst. Also, discussion about the Titans? Maybe a little bit. Next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. And since we last spoke, the Dodgers have scored another run, and it's now 15 nothing. 15 to nothing. 15 to 0. 11 in the first, 1 in the second, 3 in the third. Only two outs still in the third inning as they play. One runner on first. Three runs across. It's a uh, what, what, everybody's going to get a pitch in this game for the Braves, right? Who did the Braves hang almost 30 on this year? It was the Marlins, right? I don't know. I, I believe it was. 29 runs against the Marlins. It's, I almost, for a minute, I thought it, it was the Dodgers. And I was going to say, I think the Dodgers are going to keep on rounding the bases until they get back to 30. But it, it's not a revenge game like no. that. That would be quite intriguing. But I guarantee you that's going to be uh, quite a statistic. If <laughs> what team say that the uh, the Dodgers get twenty plus runs, what team has scored twenty plus runs and also given up twenty plus runs in the same <laughs> month? Right. That's amazing. Um, it's Tutel Nuanas one hundred two nine ESPN Radio at Gus Tutel and one hundred two nine ESPN at Skyline Sports MT on Twitter. Uh, here's what's th- interesting about baseball. Talk about pouring it on and all that. Uh huh. Obviously, you can sit Mookie Betts, you know, if you want to, and bring in get get your rotational guys in there, and you know, your, some of your, uh, uh, you know, backups and so on. But you got to have your pitchers pitch, and you can't play call to adjust it. You can't hold the ball th- for twenty two out of twenty four seconds of a play clock. You can't dump the puck in deep. Like if you are a batter. You're one of I think what isn't it isn't the roster 26 or even 30 guys in this particular postseason because of because of the unique uh, uh, way that it's taking place. But if you are if you're a batter, you're not going to go up there and just like swing and miss for fun. Like if you stand up there, you're going up there and you're trying to hit the baseball. Right. You're going to try. Like I mean, that's what you do. There's no there's no not, there's no middle ground here. You can't take it easy. As a hitter, now the manager, again, he can adjust players and that sort of thing, but they could score 30 runs. I mean, the Braves, you know, if I'm if I'm the Braves manager, they, they this game's over, right? We know this game's over. You're not going out there trying to throw your closer for three innings, trying to get right. three outs. You're going to br- throw your second baseman, whatever. <laughs> True. Right? You just bring no, in guys true. who you know you're, you just rest everybody and go, we're going to get back on the horse tomorrow. Especially okay. if already up to nothing. But you got to play the whole thing out, and and anybody who steps up there is just going to try and yak, right? Yep, for sure. So, I mean, this is a, this. I mean, it's already gone. It's already out of control. This could get epically out of control in the scenario that no off days. You got to be ready to go back tomorrow. I mean, they, they throw underhand. <laughs> Let's call it good. Start pitching Bellinger or something. 
Yeah. It, or, or start, start pitching. It actually, uh, I mean, that's uh, the one way it works Freddy both Freddy ways, yeah, right? Right, right? But you don't want to mess with fire, right? You don't all of a sudden want to go up there and start, you walk five guys in a row because you got Bellinger throwing for the, I mean, you still got to throw pitchers up there for the Dodgers, for sure. The Braves don't need to. Uh, Coulter, you want to talk a little NFL. You know what I love? The NFL. Yes, so let's do, do just that. What do you What do you got here? Okay, first of all, I want to ask you, did you watch the game last night? No, you I, did not. You were on your anniversary date. So. I actually did watch the first half because it started at five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, I got right. I got I got to halftime of it, and then I saw the final and was like, whoa. Now I did see the Derrick Henry Josh Norman ragdoll toss, which is all that's being talked about today, other than the actual result of this game, even though it didn't even count. I mean, it was like an offensive hold somewhere. They reset the down, but uh, that was you don't see that very often in in, in professional football. Got all sorts of new programming on ESPN Radio from a national perspective. Mm. A bunch of new shows, and I find them refreshing. Mike Greenberg's back to doing a midday Greeny's show, great. and Greeny just by himself is great. It's yep. amazing how much less annoying the entire thing is without goal. Like I, Mike Greenberg is. I mean, there's a reason he's the highest paid employee at ESPN. Great. He's, he's, he's fire. But I, I think. Janae and Golick Jr. is also great. really good. Yeah, yeah no, I've uh, enjoyed Janae is, uh, she is, uh, she's top-notch. She's awesome. Yep. I thought Greeny had a great take today, though, about the Titans. He said, the reason that Mike Vrabel is the most successful Bill Belichick disciple is that Mike Vrabel's the only Bill Belichick disciple that does not try to be Bill Belichick. Mm. Mike Vrabel is objectively himself. Instead of trying to be like you tell Bill Belichick light or whatever the he hell all these other guys, he wouldn't doing. have guys in unitards at his house during the draft. Bill Belichick wouldn't do that. You think? Bill Belichick had a a, a little schnauzer or something like that walking around. I uh, I think that you know in, in college football we talk about the identity of programs and, and how does a head coach instill those sorts of things uh, do you choose to be flashy like Eastern Washington has done for so many years or do you choose to be hard-nosed like Montana was and now is again and then what happens when you try to be something that isn't necessarily the fit in Montana when you try to be flashy at Montana like Bob Stitt did it doesn't really work that well but the variety of different identities you can have as a program, as a team, are so uh, so vast. And I think that in the NFL, having a culture of toughness is sort of overplayed because if you make it to the NFL, you're so freaking tough that it doesn't even, like, everybody has a culture of toughness. You have to if you want to survive. That said, the Titans are startling in how physical, physical yeah. they are and how bad they just bludgeon people. Mm-hmm. How sustainable is that style? And is it a direct reflection of the guy who's their head coach? Well, I don't... I mean, yes, it is, but it's a direct reflection of their GM. Right. I mean, if you're bludgeoning people in the NFL, it's because you are explicitly drafting to make that a possibility because doing that is uh, not easy. I mean, like, guys don't really bludgeon guys in the NFL. Like, it's just the... It's just counteracting each other i mean it is really what it is but i think that that it is an interesting thought in this respect we almost always assess coaches on scheme right like what what is mcveigh gonna do what's kyle shanahan gonna do what's andy reed gonna do offensively what's bill belichick gonna do defensively that's gonna be the ace in the hole the wrinkle the new thing that's gonna make the game plan work right and obviously you got to have great players, but it's it's more about players that fit the scheme. I don't know what kind of scheme you need to win in Tennessee other than line it up and go it, guys. And they have the back to do it. They have the line to do it. And actually, at the moment, they got the quarterback to do it. And so, you know, it's very impressive. I'm shocked at this at what happened yesterday because of what Tennessee has had to deal with and guys right. not being available and, and not because even the practicing. Bills are one of the more physical tough teams in the league For too. Sure. They broke them. But you know they what? They whipped their butts the last 15 minutes of that game. It it is also though worth noting. Like I thought that the, that Tennessee was going to be weak because they would be undermanned and wouldn't have had the preparation time, but you know what they did have? The rest. Yeah. And they rolled out there and you saw a much fresher football team beat up a, a, a team that is not an, as fresh. And I think it was more lopsided as a result of that. Not so much that the Bills, who I agree with you, are a physical football team, uh, you know, 
still pale in comparison. Like if you played this game on what I would consider equal terms later on in the year, I think you would have a a a much well certainly a much more competitive game. I think it'd be a very interesting football game. But I I give the Titans their due. Certainly they're they're impressive. Titans moved to four and zero with the victory. Buffalo Bills dropped to four and one. That was their first loss. Yep. Right now, four undefeated teams in the NFL: Seattle Seahawks, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tennessee Titans, and the Green Bay Packers. It's very easy to decipher why Seattle Seahawks are five and zero. They have the guy that's the front runner for the MVP a quarter of the way through the season, and they have one of the great coaches in the NFL in Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, obviously the quarterback that I'm referring to. Pittsburgh Steelers have as many uh, elite players defensively as anybody in the league. Great defense. Ben Roethlisberger looks like he's back to being at least above average. Mm-hmm. The Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver factory that just continues to just make guys. I mean, like what these guys <laughs> they just look the same, like. When we were watching the game, I was like, well, who's that? Who's that? He looks just like Antonio Brown. He looks just like Santonio Holmes. He looks just like every receiver they've had for 20 years. It's yeah. amazing. Every single one of them is just... Well, it's the, it's the uniform. It, well, but I mean, I, it's just amazing that you can find so many ridiculously fast, six foot one, 195-pound guys. They just roll them out like a conveyor belt. It's amazing. But Pittsburgh, it's easy to decipher why they are what they are. They're back to being what the Steelers have always been. Hard-nosed defense, great coaching, and the ability to just finish games. Mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers, it's easy to see why they're great. They uh, are better defensively than I think you think they are. They have a couple of premier players. I mean, Zaria Smith, I think, is second in the league right now in sacks behind Miles Garrett. And they have a very good secondary. They, they, really they got do. good secondary. They sec- need Kenny Clark in the worst way. They do, but they have a great secondary. They have uh, a, probably the most underrated back in the league. I think Aaron Jones is definitely elite running back. When healthy, Devonta Adams is definitely a top-five receiver. They ha- And they have the best quarterback in the world that's not named Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson. So it's easy to see why the Packers are good. Why are the Titans good? Well, I mean, this obviously isn't true from yesterday, but I, I got to look at who they've played. And by the way, I said the exact same thing about Green Bay. Um, but also, I think that they... Titans are 4-0 with a two-point victory over the Broncos, a three-point victory over the Jaguars, a one-point victory over the Vikings, and last night's lambasting of the Buffalo so, Bills. So there you go. I mean, they're they're playing teams, and it's not hadn't had not been a blowout by any stretch of the imagination up until last night. I I think the Titans are good. I, first of all, I would say this: they are easily the worst of the four undefeated teams, which is not. I mean. The, that's the, you're still good. You're undefeated. You're one of four undefeated teams in the league. I don't think they're in the same class as those three other teams. The the other thing too, though, and this is why we're in the Northwest. We obviously here on ESPN Radio we carry the Seahawks game, so we get a lot of Seattle. The Green Bay Packers and the Pittsburgh Steelers certainly are national covered teams that get looked at and 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 paid attention to and get all of of the attention. All the time. Here, where we are, we don't hear about the Titans. We don't hear about them. Right. And so all of a sudden you go, well, how did they beat New England in New England? That's crazy. Well, right now it doesn't seem crazy, you know? And then they go to the AFC Championship game a year ago, and you're like, where did this team come from? But I, I bet if you lived in Nashville, you wouldn't be all that surprised because you would have seen this happen all year, and you would know what, you know, Jarrell Casey a year ago was, what Derrick Henry was you know, yeah. throughout the course of Case the season. Broncos now was a good point. Yeah, but a year ago he was yeah, there. He yeah, was yeah. there. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's the stuff where, um, you know, Dory Jackson, right? You go, when he was at USC, you go, my God, this is the fastest guy in the world. And then at some point you look up, you go, oh, he's on Tennessee. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, that's why they have, you know, a kick return that's coming back to the 30 every time. You know, I don't even know if he was the one who was doing it yesterday. But no, he's, is, on, he's on IR right now. But, okay, this but, is but this is the example that I'm I'm, yeah, I'm just saying. They have no star. That it is the it is a good point, and yeah. I think it's it's why they <laughs> sneak up on people quite honestly. I mean, Derrick Henry could and should be a star probably. But, but do you want to know why the Packers are good? Because they have one of the best offensive lines in football, and they have the most. Uh, everything I ever want to say about Aaron Rodgers, I just can't articulate it without using bad language. That's because you're a Vikings fan. No, no, I love... No, what I'm trying to say about him is actually a a compliment. He's so darn great. Like, he's so surly, though. Like, he's just... He's... He he is the ultimate, I'm going to prove the world wrong. Let me me say it differently. Do you know why they're good now? And they... they, I mean, do you know why they're good now and they weren't good even when they... I mean, they were good, but they weren't... Mike McCarthy's gone? More than that. Because Matt LaFleur is there. Yeah, Matt LaFleur's good. I mean, I, you know, 
okay? We could go to the record on this. All the podcasts are up. I'm the I was the biggest Matt LaFleur not detractor, but but you got to prove it to me. You are I, I'm giving you zero credit for anything at all. And even when you win thirteen games a year ago, I go, you know, that was pretty good. I've seen a lot of guys in their very first year who nobody really had a great read on go out and be good. And especially when you got Aaron Rodgers playing quarterback and you could talk to me about the down season he had. They got a great offensive line, a great running game and this, that, and the other. And, and I was like, you know, okay. I'll I if you're gonna go to the NFC championship game and go thirteen and three, it's hard to criticize, right? This year, I go, Matt LaFleur is without question a absolutely positive and real reason that the Green Bay Packers are doing what they're doing. I've seen things in the run game that are so much better and more advanced and more wide open than anything I've seen. And it's not just a one trick pony, oh, this is the scheme that we run. It's every single week the variety of ways that he is using a variety of backs. Aaron Jones is very good, but he is being put in a great position. You know what that's doing? is putting 12 in a great position, both on the field and inside his head. I mean, he's out there smiling. When was the last time we saw him smile? Like 2013? Yeah. You know? So that is, I'm going to sit here and go, Matt LaFleur is, is at least in this moment in time and in this place, the absolute real deal. And I give the staff a ton of credit. So that's why the Packers are good, and that's why I think they're going to keep being good, even though they are flawed. Last question for you. Okay. The Bears, the Chicago Bears, are terrible. Four and one. Awful. And they're terrible. <laughs> Judgment Day is coming for the Bears, though, because they are at Carolina, at the Rams, versus the Saints, at the Titans, at the Vikings, at the Packers. Mm-hmm. That looks like a nice little one and six to me. Yeah, I mean, my he, question for you, though, is okay. this. It is true or false. It is not infeasible that the Bears lose eight out of their last 12 games. Oh, it, it is not infeasible. Yeah, it is. It. I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd say it's likely, but it is very, very possible. Yeah. I mean, they they could, you know, after that little run, then they have the Lions, Texans, at Vikings, at Jags, Packers. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly, a, a two and nine down the stretch would not be that surprising. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's the thing: they're, three. They're. I'm going to respect their defense enough to sure. say that it's not going to go. Okay, that so way, they, have, but, they have 11 games remaining, over or yeah. under five wins for the Bears the rest of the way. The rest of the way, yeah. If you put it at five, I, I probably go under. I would prefer it to be at five and a half so I could get the fifth game. But what I'm getting at here yeah. is that the Bears are four and one. Mm-hmm. They've stacked four wins. Yeah. To me, they have the talent of a four to six win team. They right. already have four they're wins. Already there. Yeah. I don't think they're going to win any more than four games, four or five games. I, I would be shocked if they went five if they went five and six down the stretch. I think that they're a three or four win team the rest of the way, okay. which will put them at seven and nine. I just think it's going to be so classic when you have a team that's objectively one of the eight worst teams in the league that should absolutely get a top ten pick, and they're not going to get a top ten pick because they've stacked these four wins early. In other words, what I'm saying is the winning that they've done is going to completely screw over their franchise. Because they could be in the mix yeah. to get one of these sweet quarterbacks, and they're not gonna. Here's what I think, though. I thought I had I had it as an absolute no doubt, signed, sealed, and delivered Thursday night. They're gonna lose to Tampa. Yeah, and they beat Tampa. Mm-hmm. Um, it was ugly. Maybe it's a Thursday night thing. I don't know, but it, but they got the thing. They did it. They it was, won it the, was they won it, the football. Game. It was the definition though of finding the matchup and exploiting it. In other words, you have a rookie offensive tackle, so you put Khalil Mack on him. Well, sure, but I mean, like, they do have Khalil Mack, they, you know? That's right. So uh, there are some games in there where I would sit here and go, well, they're not going to win that game. They're not going to win that game. They're not going to win that game. And then two of those, they won't win, but one of them, they might. But if they win the games that they can and really are supposed to win against the likes of Detroit, Maybe go one and one against Minnesota, although I think Minnesota's better than Chicago. All of a sudden, you steal another one or two, and you know what? You are a playoff team, especially with seven teams, because you already got four. I mean, they could they could win eight games and be in. Yeah. Certainly, if they win nine games, they'll be in. So, I mean, you know, that's what you have to look forward to. Expanded playoffs. Two Tell Nuanas, one hundred two ninety ESPN Radio updates. Baseball next. 
What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. Breaking news. The Braves scored a run. It's now 15 to 1. The Dodgers are on top of the Braves, 15-1 to 1 at the end of the third inning. Uh, we are happy to bring you the ALCS tonight in what could be a sweep. Get your brooms out, Tampa fans. One thing I know about Montana, tons of Tampa Bay Ray fans in Montana. You know what I'm saying? It's 2 tell Nuanas, one of 290 ESPN Radio. If you missed anything in the show, check it out on the podcast, the 2 tell Nuanas podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and listen all the time the podcast available thanks to our friends at blackfoot communications um coulter 15 to 1 that seems like a lot so they were on pace for 99 earlier now they're only on pace for 45 runs in this game they're back up to bat <laughs> tell me what you tell me what tell me what the final score of this game is going to uh, be 15 to 4 oh no 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 the, Bra- the, the, on, huh? well, they, they, the Braves got nobody to – they're not going to keep rolling out good pitchers and stuff like that. They're going to go I, – I think, I, think the, I think the Dodgers are going to score 23 runs in this game. Wow. 23 – 23-6 is what I'll put it at. Huh. You think the, the over is going to hit? <laughs> I think it is. I, uh, I don't know. There's so many superstitions and stuff in baseball. Like, do you really want to – Use up all your hits in one. Oh, that's that's just it's just crazy. I know, but the thing is, baseball players believe it, so but, that's what makes but, it not. Well, this crazy. is what I'm saying. This is what I said earlier. You're not just going up there and like missing on purpose. No, I know, but what if you just like take Mookie Betts and and Corey Seager and Court, Cody Bellinger and all those guys out? Yeah, you play other professional baseball players, <laughs> and they go against positional players who don't sure. know how to pitch. Sure, sure, but twenty three market. Okay, over under twenty three. We'll, we'll recap tomorrow. Boys and girls, have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday evening. We will uh, take you out to San Diego in the ALCS between the Rays and the Astros. The Astros down three games to zero. My dream of seeing an Astros-Dodgers World Series is on the rocks right mm. at this very moment. Uh, but I do love the Rays, so uh, enjoy Game 4. We'll see if there's a Game 5. What there certainly will be is 2 tell Nuanas tomorrow. See you then. CSPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.